0: This is Nerd Podcast Radio, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. We use the support of our patrons to bring you the best show we can. We also reward our patrons with bonus audio each week. A big thank you to our newest patron, Odin. Odin has been a guest so many times, and now he's a patron too. We appreciate your support so much, Odin. There's a reason why we call you Odin the Allfather, your great friend of the podcast. Everyone check out Odin's YouTube channel, Odin Makes, and watch him on DIY Prop Shop on the Aw Me YouTube channel. If you would like to contact us, the best way to do that is our Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page, where we share nerdy stuff and talk to our listeners. You can also reach us at Brian, Mike, or Erica, all at .nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com. That's name.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com. Anthony is at some crazy email address that most people think funny. Anyway, you can also reach us on Twitter at Super Vegan Brian at NerdCasterMike, and at Smurf Erica and at NerdCastRadio. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Nerd Podcast
2: Radio, your nerd home away from home.
3: All
0: right, welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. This is Super Vegan Brian this morning, and we have a momentous morning this morning. We have a scientific breakthrough. We have the clone of Special Mikey ready. And we're about to activate this thing. You ready? You ready, Anthony? I am ready. You ready, Erica? Yes. Let's All right. pull it. Activate revival sequence. Anthony, give us some revival sequence sounds. <laughs>
3: All
0: right. Host clone. Host
2: clone, respond. Are you there? Oh, no, oh, oh God. No. I mean, <laughs> gooey stuff. I mean, people. <laughs> I said, why Shut is there the cattle
3: fuck prod? up, Michael.
2: Oh, hey, guys. What's up?
3: Goddamn goo back. S-
2: we're starting the episode.
0: Oh, sweet. You should have. You should already know everything about what we're doing this morning. So,
2: post-sequence well, intro, go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to New Podcast Radio. I'm your host, Special Mikey. Along with me is Hindu Anthony. What's up? buttercup uh, are you still buttercup yes that's a buttercup. Well, well he's gonna have an existential crisis later <clears throat> super vegan brian hello nurse cursey Smart erica hola and i we haven't we have like a couple extra people on the call i know we want to introduce how are we gonna add i don't know how we're gonna introduce has leslie been on a call this is her first time on an actual episode. Okay, we have one extra guest here. Her name is Ms. Leslie. and uh, Real quick, uh, just real quick, a little bit about just like, who are you? I'm
4: um, Anthony's girlfriend. And- hey, 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 I gave her a nickname. Does anybody read the outline?
2: I didn't see it. You know, welcome to my world. <laughs> oh, welcome and welcome to the show, Miss Leslie the Fierce.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that
2: work uh, yeah, i like
1: that so
2: but also we have a very special guest today mr
1: philip trad that's how you say your name right yeah you said it right congratulations no oh, one okay. has ever said that correctly the first time
2: i stewed on that last name for like a week i was like he's gonna say it this way it's gonna be this way um warning philip you will have a nickname by the end of the episode michael is a monster i'm fine with that okay <laughs> well, apparently so is erica what <laughs> You gave Leslie a nickname.
4: Yeah, a super cool one because she's awesome. I stepped aside to get coffee. with the n-
2: nickname? Leslie the Fierce, which I like.
1: The Fierce? Yes.
0: So, Philip, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What, what, what's, what's your nerdy? Why are you here today?
1: Well, my nerdy has uh, been basically role-playing in some fashion or another. Usually started with tabletop role-playing, moved on to wargaming, and lately I've been uh, very active in uh, LARPs and LARP community.
3: Wargaming? Did you say wargaming?
1: Yes. Oh, man. We're friends already. We're going <laughs> to like oh, you. Oh, Anthony
4: is so hard right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm told I have that effect on people. Uh <laughs>
3: Stop, stop. Ah. I can only, my penis can only get so erect. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: hey, hey, Anthony. Hey, Anthony. What? Phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, okay. I'm starting
2: to think I might be a clone. Um, I, was to, Michael, I was about to say, he's worried about my clone programming family. <laughs> Look at this guy. He's an original copy. Shit. <laughs> Michael. What are we talking about today?
0: I mean, this is crazy. This is the most people we had on any any morning. I want to just make a quick thing for the listeners. We have crazy recording setups today. So Leslie and Philip might sound like they're on phones. Um, There might be a little bit of talk over today because we've never had six people on at the same time. So um, please bear with us. We're going to do our best to make sure this is a good episode. Um, Michael, why do we have all these guests? What are we talking about this morning?
2: Well, this morning we're actually talking about a little something that is actually uh, known as LARP or live action role play. It takes on many different forms and we're going to enjoy talking about that. But first, what do we got to do, Brian? But first, we're going to play everyone's
0: favorite game, What's Nerdy With You. What's Nerdy With You is where all of us share the nerdiest thing we did this week. We have a lot of us on this morning, so we're going to try to do quick ones. And then at the end, we're going to quickly try to vote to figure out who wins the Nerdy No Prize for the
2: nerdiest nerd of the week.
4: I feel like we need to come up with a prize.
2: It sounds like it. Well, uh, uh, okay, look, I listened to last week's episode, and didn't they say something about uh, just saying, like, oh, you get all the widgets. The widgets are yours,
3: and we deliver the widgets to your house. Oh my god! I feel that like means- what
4: we need to do, like whoever wins like the week, we need to like take their picture and put widgets all over it and post it on Facebook. Like that's the prize.
3: But, like they got blasted in the face. Yeah, with we need to yeah. Have, like, this Jerking off meme and like. Oh my just- god!
4: <laughs> well, not
0: quite and that
2: graphic. <laughs>
0: And there, um, as as our guest, Philip, as our our guest of honor, um, you get to go first. What was nerdy with
2: you this week? It's where we blast the widgets.
1: So I was calculating out what's the most effective means of building a fighter while I was at the gym, while also doing two role play scenes over email.
2: Holy shit! I am like
4: a master multitasker. I'm
2: gonna go hang myself with my cord. <laughs> that is talent, good sir. Um, What what is the most effective
0: means of building a fighter?
1: Uh, You usually want to go with the two-handed weapon fighter. Uh, Use a pole arm so you get both the benefits of both the great weapon master and pole arm master at the same time. Uh, For consistency in damage, use a clave because it uh, uses 2d6 rather than a single dice for more consistent damage. And uh, focus on things just to increase your damage flat rather than special effects, which may or may not come up.
0: Are we talking D&D or LARP? Oh, D D. D D. it sounds like a really similar two-handed build to pathfinder i would i would agree completely with pathfinder that's you do two-handed and you do like a power attack for furious focus type combo mm.
1: yeah except yeah. uh addition the fighter's not boring to play oh wow lines uh, are drawn in the sand i'm gonna say this too as a <laughs> lifelong fighter player i can assure you i've been very happy to finally play my favorite class <laughs>
3: Didn't like the Pathfinder fighter.
1: Uh, I like the Pathfinder fighter, but the problem is uh, it suffered from the same problem that every fighter had in every edition, which was after level ten, they hand the they hold the wizard's cloak and let them watch the watch them finish the battle.
4: I can see where you're going with that. Yeah. You
0: just gave me an idea for my next fighter. <laughs> you just literally walked around holding a wizard's cloak. Yep, Leslie. What was nerdy with you this week?
5: Well, I obviously drive around for work and end up, you know, forcing people to listen to your podcast. And had a conversation with somebody about um, video games because I was listening to one of the episodes about video games. So I, that was kind of the extent of my thing. It was a 45-minute drive because I was taking them all the way to the airport. So we just kind of went over, like, different games and sort of had our own, like, little nostalgic moment of going over, like, our favorite childhood games or, like, some of the games that we really didn't enjoy playing.
0: You basically did a cool. podcast episode conversation.
5: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Video game over Uber is a fantastic nerdy thing. Yeah, I feel God, like
4: I feel like that can be like bonus content. And she could just like, hey, can I record you? And we can talk about video games. And they'd be like, great. Or any games, great. And then like be like conversations in Uber.
0: We'd have to get release forms. That
2: sounds, that, but that still sounds fantastic. Well, um, be a podcast. The, well doing a recording, uh, doing a, a, a separate recording of their consent, wouldn't that count as a verbal contract? I have no idea.
1: No, yes, actually, it does not.
2: <laughs>
0: Thank you. Sure?
1: I've always wondered. I've always wondered that. Um, in general, it's very hard to have simple verbal consent be able to be held up because there's any number of factors that could count into that one.
2: You can add audio. Oh, that's mm. true. Well, especially it's with true. that new setup, you know, when they made uh, Jordan Peele freak out about yeah. his buddy, Michael Key. You can type what people say now. Well, when the software
0: comes
3: out, but you'll be able to. <laughs> she forgot something, so she has more to add, guys. Go so. ahead, Leslie.
5: We're sorry. Oh, I was going to say, and to make it even better, the person who I was driving was a Blizzard employee. What? Oh, what? Oh,
1: Holy Oh, shit. It up. Yeah. shit.
0: Was it Brandy Camel?
5: No, <laughs> I don't know wishes. who it was. It wasn't anybody like I recognized from anything. But it, yeah, they were Blizzard employee because I actually picked them up from like Blizzard. Uh,
0: um, Michael Brandy Camel's actually a friend of mine.
3: You're shitting me? No, I know her. How? Wait a minute, Erica, you're a big Blizzard fan, right? Y- yes. Okay, Leslie, tell her about the. I can't remember his name. We met him at that Games Workshop.
5: You know what? I can't even remember his name right now. Chris Metzen. There you go. We met Chris Metzen at Games Workshop one time. And I just sort of totally, you know, geeked out and fangirled and was like, oh, my God. And was hiding behind Anthony because I was super embarrassed and like gushing. (laughs) And he's just like, what? didn't even know who he was and he was just like talking to
1: him and i was like ah, oh my god oh i am so jealous of you right now i've met that man once at a blizzcon that man is fantastic
3: he goes to our games workshop the games workshop me and leslie actually go to he lives near there he goes there to play 40k Wait, and i was
1: like not nothing but to totally stalk this guy or anything but
3: i was like i was like leslie should i go there and like ask him to play 40k she's like i don't know Yes? <laughs> it's always
2: a yes until they're like, these are my bodyguards. I hired them because I knew you were going to be
3: here.
5: <laughs> I mean, even the shop owner was like, yeah, he's pretty cool. And if you ask him to play a game, like if he has time, he probably will. Like he plays games here sometimes. And I was just like, oh my God.
2: That is so cool. Uh, All right. we
5: ready to go to Erica?
2: I think so. I All guess right. so. Curse Erica.
4: Erica. So nerdy my nerdy thing this week was... um my my job is amazing and we raised a bunch of money, um, $40,000 for, uh, big brothers, big sisters, uh, here in Ohio. That's and amazing. Yeah. 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 Uh, she's 000. using that tug
2: at the heartstrings one.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what we did is, um, several people, uh, got to repel off the side of the key bank building, uh, in downtown. And, um, um, I went and I took my brand new camera and decided to just take pictures of the whole event without anybody asking me to. And um, I got some amazing pictures. Uh, I got to use my telephoto lens for the first time, which was amazing. And I had several people ask me if I was the official photographer for the event. So I was like, that's pretty cool.
0: Oh, you're, tar- <laughs> you're specifically targeting my votes.
4: M- maybe
3: <laughs> she's aiming for Brian, because she knows <laughs> the best yeah, strategy is.
4: I yeah, I was super excited about it. I got to use my birthday present. I got to do something really fun for the community, and now I'm going to take those pictures and I'm going to get to post them on the Big Brothers Big Sisters website in at my Lexus Nexus website as well. So I'm I'm really excited about it.
3: She knows a good strategy is if you could get someone to give you all your widgets, you pretty much guarantee to win.
4: Well, I didn't have a strategy. That's the only nerdy thing I got to do. but she
3: okay.
2: says talking about photography in front of Brian. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so yeah, that's it. That's all that was my nerdy thing this week.
0: All right. So I'm up. Brian, what's nerdy with you? I am okay. So what was nerdy with me this week was um, I went to Daniel Cross's house. Daniel Cross is, of course, our musician who does our amazing intro and outro to our podcast. Thank you, Daniel, for that. And I ran Pathfinder for him and his 14-year-old son. I introduced his 14-year-old son, Ethan, to the game. That's amazing. That is so cool. But I want to tell one little story about that. Um, He was playing a half-orc fighter, and he kept on when what I told him, Characters were talking in languages like Goblin. He kept on making up Goblin language. And if I improv back in Goblin language, he would just reply. He wouldn't ask me what I said. So it was like, oh, perfect. yeah, he did a really good job. That's kind
1: of amazing, actually.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was, it was really cool. He did a good job. He'd never played a role-playing game before in his life, and he just fit in perfectly. He needs to find friends who can play. <laughs> um, so. Um, he had an axe, and da- and Daniel's character Diedrich goes, um, Gorgon, what's your axe's name? And he goes, It is the axe of doom. And he goes, Well, how do you say that in Orcish? And he goes, Joel.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Jesus, <This> kid's <laughs> that kid's amazing.
1: No. That kid's a reincarnated gamer, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. What is that, Joel? Oh uh,
4: so Ethan beautiful. liked it?
0: Oh he loved it. I'm coming oh. I'm going back in a couple of weeks. We're gonna do it again.
4: That's awesome. Yeah, he, you need to get his friends involved. I feel like this needs to move on to the next generation quickly.
0: He's yeah. real new to high school, so he's making friends. So he's gotta find the D and D friends.
4: I found I mean D friends.
0: Oh, they are there. They are there. He'll find them. <laughs> All he has to do is walk around with a core
3: rule book. <laughs> oh,
4: that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. That would do it.
3: All right, Anthony, but- what's nerdy with you this week? Okay, so I was kind of busy with work because there's just been a lot of stuff going on. So my new thing is, well, uh, I guess like doing a lot of research on Jewish holidays for child activities is kind of like the nerdiest thing I really did. Tell uh, us a
0: Jewish holiday cool. fact.
3: Well, okay. So this week we're doing Sukkot or is it Sukkot? I don't know. I think it's Sukkot. So
2: I believe it's Sukkot.
3: <clears throat> no, I think I'm pretty sure it's Sukkot. I'm pretty sure it's Sukkot.
2: I don't know. No, I I no, it, no, it, no,
3: no it is. You're right. Because Sukkot is what you build. No, you you build a sukkah. So, I thought it was pronounced Sukkah. No, you build a Sukkah and you build the Sukkah for Sukkot. For Sukkot. So the
0: nerdiest thing I did next week is mediate an argument between Michael and Anthony about Jewish pronunciations. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, you'll win. So, Sukkot is basically the uh, kind of like the harvest festival for Jewish people. Um, and you build these things called Sukkahs, which are like outdoor huts. Uh, I guess during like, you know, harvest season, like a long time ago farmers would actually build these these little huts to live in temporarily so that you know they could live out on the farm and like harvest everything because it would be really difficult to make your way back to the house also during during the exodus they lived in sukkahs because they were temporary dwellings and when you're traveling around the desert for 40 years you can't really build a house so they lived in sukkahs so sukkot kind of like doubles as this holiday of like of like You know, kind of giving thanks to God for food and and like really like uh, talking about food and, you know, Thanksgiving kind of stuff like that. But it's also a remembrance of the Exodus.
0: Wow. That that is one of the most brainy, nerdy things we've ever had. That's going to be hard to compete with. That's. Well, that would qualify
3: as history nerd right there? Yeah, that's history nerd. But
4: uh talk.
3: Now here's a fun <laughs> <laughs>
4: Now
3: here's the thing: I did, no I shame. did learn, I did learn this yesterday. I think. Um, uh, what's the the um? Oh man, what's the holiday now? I can't remember. With the menorah, why am I drawing a blank here? Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Hanukkah? Yep, Hanukkah. Not a big holiday to Jewish people. Like not. Not even remotely important. It just
4: happens to be the only one I know, though.
3: The only reason why it's even remotely kind of big and important in America, and it's only in America that's kind of big and important, is because a bunch of Jewish families literally were, like, feeling bad for their kids because they, you know, Christmas, and everybody's like, oh, my God, I got all these presents. The kids felt bad, so... They made Hanukkah like bigger than it really is for the kids. But really, it's like a it's like a nothing holiday almost.
2: Yeah. And in, in other countries, it's supposed to be just like a passing holiday, like how we would treat. Um, I wouldn't want to say like like flag day or something, but it's supposed to be like pretty non sequential.
4: I thought it was, it was like funny. important because like seven days of light from oil lamps when they were trapped or something. Well,
2: Historically, it
0: is. But it's just sort of like what what was the reaction to it before They had to compete before they were competing with Christmas to give their kids something special. Hmm. So
4: you mean
5: Yule? Yes, Hmm. I need to get a goat.
2: I need to get a goat statue.
5: Go ahead, Leslie. I'm moment. sorry we keep interrupting you. Go ahead. There was a, like, a funny moment that kind of tied in with that thing with him was uh, I was showing him a picture of my son celebrating uh, the holiday with his dad. And he was like, oh, that's so good. He kind of totally out over it. And it was really funny because he was so excited that he recognized something that he learned about his work. <laughs> that's cute.
0: That's awesome. I like that. Oh. So, Michael, what was nerdy with you this week? You have
2: the least time of everybody. Well, I woke up in a <laughs> giant vat of goo with people screaming at me and throwing a headset onto me. So I, I, I had to, uh, that. No, um, it, it, you would have won if you would have stuck with that joke.
3: I would have given you all the widgets, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, the clone is powered by widgets. I need. <laughs> I need widgets. <laughs> Sorry, that was the pre-programmed part of my head. Uh no, seriously, uh, I actually. Uh, This week is actually for uh, my daughter's birthday. So we've actually had a really full week and her like legit like actual day of birth birthday was uh, last Wednesday and me and my wife decided we were going to go spend the day out with her. And my only thing is that we decided we have to find a tradition for everything for her now. And so we decided that uh, we want to try and have the tradition of on her birthday going and spending the afternoon in Oakland with her, uh, which is, you know, the big vineyard, uh, big orchard town uh, here in Southern California. And it was not lost on her because we bought her some, as far as I'm concerned, some of the best, Uh, mini donuts i've ever had in my life
3: that's so cute and michael we got you the best present for her i I swear it's the best i swear to god if it's another drum set oh no this is way better way better i Mm -hmm. swear you're gonna see it you'll be like oh my god anthony thank you so much you're my best friend better i'm gonna gonna jump on top
2: of you and strangle the life out of your body
0: it was (laughs) leslie's idea
2: it's a set of symbols, Philip said. It's a set of symbols. Wow, Philip. He did follow the rule that it's
5: not drums.
2: You know what? It's not drums. I'll laugh and be like, thank you so much, and then look right at my wife as she like loads a fire. Anyway, no, she wouldn't do that. But no, um, I'm trusting you, Anthony. Well, and if, if it was Leslie's idea, it's got to be a good idea.
4: You know, the rule with people buying toys for your kids that you don't want them to have is that you give it to them while they're there. And then once the child goes to sleep, it disappears forever. (laughs) That's how that works.
2: The only gift I've ever wanted to do that to was when she actually got a drum set. And she didn't just play it. She destroyed it. She played it so hard, it broke. And we were like, "seriously, we're like, thank you, God.
4: Exactly. Then you're like, oh, so sad. Sorry about
5: that. Look at this other shiny thing.
2: So I'm excited to see what you guys got her now.
5: See, I just don't give anybody a gift that I wouldn't want to have them give right back for my kid because that's
2: just no yeah totally understandable well you know that's everybody and i think it's time that we all try and vote and see who gets all the widgets who gets widget blasted so
0: we have everyone's going to have seven widgets and you just give them to who you think deserves them you can give them to yourself if you like um, if you think you had a nerdier thing than other people, um, Philip, do you understand how it works? I believe so. So, Philip, where do you want to distribute your seven widgets?
1: So, I'm gonna have to give three widgets to the history nerd, and uh, then four widgets Yay. to the uh, drive for the Blizzard employee. Woohoo! Boom! Blizzard Boom.
0: win. That that really draws the battle lines down. Leslie, seven widgets.
5: Um. Well, just because I, you know hear about it all the time, and actually get to see him kind of nerd out over it, I have to give Anthony two. Um, and I'm going to, just because I, I I got to kind of watch all of the excitement over your daughter, Michael, and uh, she's adorable, so I'm going <laughs> to give him two. <laughs> um, In this race. <laughs> no, um, I'm, I'm not going to give myself any. I'm going to give um, Erica two, and um, I will give the last one to Phil. <laughs> and because, you know, uh, everything you do, Philip, is just always kind of cracking up. It just is like, you just kind of ooze everything nerdy. And I know that everybody will end up just gushing over it.
4: Well, I think I'm going to have to give four to Leslie for uh, not so much that it was a Blizzard employee. That is very cool. But for trapping people in your car and promoting the podcast, because I think that's pretty awesome. And then I am going to give... Mm, I'm going to give my other three to Phil, Philip, because multitasking is something near and dear to my heart. And I love that you're able to do such an amazing job at it and make it nerdy. So that's all seven of my widgets. Even you, even though, you know, see, I didn't give them to myself. There we go.
0: All right. I'm going to give five widgets to Erica. Yay. (laughs) And that leaves me with two. I'm going to give two So the clone doesn't shut down. So, Michael, you get two widgets. Still in the race. I got to give myself everything and I'll still lose. You know what, Michael? You're only getting one and Philip's going to get one because I have to give him some credit. I wish I had more because I want to give everybody widgets (laughs) because
3: everybody had great things this week.
4: Yeah, I feel like this was a really tough week. Everybody did some
3: really awesome stuff. Anthony, what about you? I'm going to be the upset. Michael, give yourself all of yours. I give all mine to Michael. Woo! (laughs) i got all the widgets from anthony so
2: wait no it's my turn now because you gave me all your widgets
3: (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to be the upside. don't screw me michael give you all yours so you can win but i'm not going to give myself all of
2: mine i have to give philip two at the very least because i'm sorry when i'm at the gym i can't think about how i'm going to build a fight or anything all i can think of is don't die don't die don't die So. To
1: be fair, I, that, thought, that also that. happens.
2: And <laughs> well, just had a thought where he's like, should I give him the great axe or should I give him the, oh shit, treadmill, treadmill. <laughs> like, oh God, I'm still walking. Heart huh. is still beating.
0: <laughs> Back is not thrown out. Well, you don't have to pick up pillows at the gym. Fuck
2: you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fuck you um for those confused michael threw his back out picking up a pillow (laughs) i wish it was a joke
2: (laughs) i don't know how many left you have michael i have two i have five i have five left i am i'm actually gonna be following the trend i'm not giving myself any of my widgets anthony i'm sorry but i'm gonna give you three widgets anthony and i'm gonna give one to erica and one to brian thank you michael you are the only one to give me a widget. Are you shitting me? I thought <laughs> Anthony gave you No,
0: no, like,
4: no, you were the only one to give him a widget yes. cuz I thought about it and I was like, "Oh, fuck
2: that guy." That. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "I should give him a widget." No way. So fuck him. That is
0: 7 to Philip 8 to Leslie, 8 to Erica, 1 to Brian, 8 to Anthony, and Michael the clone wins with 10 widgets. He lives
3: in that episode. <laughs> I did it anyways.
0: <laughs> Yay! I kind of had a feeling. That's why I didn't do it. All right. That was the, the half hour version of What's Nerdy With You. I blame Michael show. Myler, the Bye. game designer who invented our widget system.
2: You know what? I need to actually be on when he's on, so I can be like, "You son of a bitch!" That's the best worst idea I've ever had. We've ever gotten for the show. <laughs> yeah. Today we're actually going to be we're going to be talking about LARP, live action role play. And according to the Wikipedia page, LARP is a live action role play game from many genres, and is a form of role playing game where the participants physically act out their characters' actions, and the players pursue goals within a fictional setting of their design or of a predestined layout. Mic drop.
3: That was pretty fucking nerdy, dude. Didn't know this. Oh. I
2: thought LARP started like in the late, in the mid to early 90s. No, some of the first LARPs were run as late as, or as early as the late 1970s. Oh, wow. I what? had no hmm. idea. It makes sense that people would start doing live action the second role playing is invented. Well,
1: yeah, yeah, that's true. That doesn't surprise me that much at all.
2: Yeah, well, I, I am a little surprised. I thought because but then again, I never was really I didn't get to be around a lot of role playing games until I was older. So So that was interesting. Brian, you were saying something before I so rudely cut you off. Oh, no worries. I was just going to type the, the next question in the
0: thing, but I'll ask it if you like, because it's your Go ahead. question. Um, Philip. Um, how does, you know, like how do you define LARP? Does it sync up with the Wikipedia definition or do you have your own definition?
1: No, that's pretty accurate, actually. Like if you want to go with like the bare bones, like, you know, literal definition that is pretty much on point is um, effectively you will. Have a, you know, you will live action, uh, you will role play your characters. There's a lot more focus on the interactions rather than necessarily the mechanics. Those those are certainly important to many people. That is a pretty accurate definition for what LARP is. You gather your friends together, or in some cases, larger groups, and you will either have like smaller, more intimate settings with like, you know, maybe five to 10 people, or I've seen LARPs go up to over 400 people for one. That was fun.
4: Wow, that's pretty impressive. 400 people? Like, I don't I don't even know how you like, wow,
1: there's a lot of sitting in quarters to because there's just a lot of people moving around.
4: Do you just like everybody show up and be like, I'm this person, let's all talk. Or is it like a is our goal in mind? Is it kind of like a like D&D where, you know, you you have a quest and you're doing a thing? Is there a game master? Is there a game master?
1: Uh, You'll actually have several uh, game masters on staff, actually. uh, Usually they're referred to as storytellers, who are there usually just to uh, mediate any sort of um, roles that need to be taken or tests that need to be taken. But for the most part, uh, you could either have, we are getting together to do this one thing, or um, the storytellers will have an open setting invitation of some kind. Or in other LARPs, it's just, you know, when they become more immersive, you're showing up for the weekend to play that person. The answer to your question is, in fact, yes. The, all of that can, in fact, be true. All of the above.
0: Yeah. So, are are so you you mostly do parlor LARP and you do like vampire stuff, right?
1: Um, parlor LARPs, yes. Uh, that mostly that's uh, the most well known for that is going to be vampire LARPs. Um, there's also uh, werewolf, uh, mage as well. Uh, changeling is coming into the f- uh, front from White Wolf.
4: I'm sorry to interrupt I need an example I need an example of how this works. like like give me a scenario of like okay so we're all in this parlor LARP and you said there's several game masters or, or storytellers how does it function like because in D&D you kind of you know roll initiative et cetera, et cetera. like how do you get anywhere are you just being a character or is there like an actual game going on?
1: Uh, You are being a character while at the same time there's actually a game going on as well. Sometimes they'll be involve people having to leave and kind of break off to do something more directly with the plot that's happening. Other times people are there in the same bit fashion that you would be at an invitation to a party in real life and you're there to socialize or in some cases, you know, take political maneuvers. Uh, the most best example I can give for this is for a vampire parlor where we had several hundred people show up. It was an invitation by the effectively ruling body for the uh, vampire society who wished to discuss certain changes they were going to be enacting so some people showed up simply to socialize some people were there to try to change the way the boat would head other people were there to uh because they'd gotten wind of other things that interested them maybe some sort of a threat to the community at large some people were the threat to the community at large
4: i have dnd with a larper every other sunday and i've never actually inquired about some of this stuff so do you have like a character sheet Like that you Uh, carry around with you or something?
1: You absolutely do.
4: And do you have dice that you
1: roll? So dice aren't very practical in a a live action setting. Several different uh, systems use several different methods. Um, There's boffer LARPs, which will actually have you having to actually swing and hit something or actually do specific actions to make a check. For parlor LARPs, what is normally used is either a rock, paper, scissors check, and then you compare basically your stats versus the person's stats. There's also what's called um, uh, basically effectively throwing your fingers. I mean, this is what you can use dice as well, but you'll either throw up your fingers or call out a number uh, for uh, rolling a dice as well. And then you compare. And just so you don't always throw it so you get a critical hit, you would uh, throw it and add the same number to what someone else would throw. So, for instance, um, Leslie. Uh, If I was to take a check with you in the system, someone would count down one, two, three. You'd throw up, you know, three, any number of uh, fingers between one to ten, unless you have an eleventh finger, at which point, awesome. Uh, I would throw up the same. We would add them together. We add one to ten, or if it goes, wraps around, uh, basically get to eleven. We start over at one to ten again. And then again, we use that effectively as rolling the ten-sided dice.
0: Oh, that's There's cool, also, because if, if people throw up too many fingers, then that's bad. So right. you can't you can't game the system.
1: Uh, yeah, so you could go like, ha, I threw up a 9. Well, I also threw up a 9, you got an 8. Or if I threw up a 1, and you threw up a 9, you got a 10. Or I threw up a 2, you rolled a 1.
5: Well, there was also pulling cards, too, because a lot of times the dice just aren't convenient.
1: Yeah, uh, Some cards,
5: people have
1: a harder time. Yeah, people have mauled their favorite or least favorite uh, set of playing cards to get the 1 through 10, and they will just draw those.
5: Wow.
4: All right. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hijack the call. I I had important questions.
3: That's what we're here for. Yeah, that's what we're doing. So, Leslie, what what are the different kinds of LARPs out there that you are aware of, at least?
5: I mean, most of the ones I know are through like the club that I met Phil through, which would be, like you said, the Changeling, Vampire, um, Werewolf, Mage. Although I don't think I've ever actually done Mage. I think that's the only one I haven't had any experience with so far. Uh, prepare
1: prepare for a headache if you ever play mage.
5: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I've been warned, that it's kind of, like, the worst one to start with because it has the most headaches as far as, like, rules and the things to follow. Like, I started with werewolf, and that was way, way easier to follow and then got directly and then backtracked to, like, a Masquerade. Oh, well, Masquerade. Yeah, there's another one.
4: See, my... Kind of- my friend that plays, his name is Travis. And I, I mean, I guess I'm going to we have game tomorrow, so he's going to have a lot of questions to answer. He doesn't know about, but he plays. And I think it's just like a standard D&D. Like he says he's like a ranger and they go to a park and they do a thing like, is that like a different offset? Like because you guys are talking about parlor LARPing, which I assume is just meeting some like in a house or something. Right. Am I That's wrong?
1: Vampire, right? uh the, the parallel arcs can be done uh what a parallel arc so to get away from specifically what the name is a parlor is basically where you would meet up for like a specific game or a specific instance It's usually in a house we've met outside we we kind of meet where it's convenient because you know space is at a premium
5: school campuses
1: uh, uh, yeah school golf campuses clubs. yeah uh goth clubs have happened as well hotel uh conferences um any number of places that we could been able to play at um to kind of break down so parlor kind of fit that Genre Where you meet, you do a thing, then you play for roughly three to four hours, sometimes longer, but nothing really more than that. Then there are immersion LARPs or uh, Nordic LARPs. Uh, I don't believe those are the same things, but I'm not too familiar with Nordic LARPs myself. Where you will go to an area for a weekend, or if not longer, for that entire weekend, it is complete immersion. You are playing that character for that time period. Uh, immersion LARPs include uh, Dystopia Rising, which is, you know, Fallout versus Zombie Apocalypse.
4: What? That's a thing? Uh,
1: that is a thing. I would try that. Uh, yeah. If you guys want, I could direct you some of my friends who are very into that as well. Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent about the various different LARP communities kind of helping out one another to some degree because effectively we all kind of share the same interests just in various fashions. DR is also what's called a boffer LARP, where, uh, like I mentioned earlier, you don't worry about dice. You have stats on your sheet. But if you want to go up and hit the uh, orc or troll or monster in some fashion, you have to go up and hit the troll or monster.
4: Yeah, and I think that's what my friend does, because he has, like, armor that he wears, like, you know, his, like, outfit. And he's got, like, a sword that he, like, made, and it's, like, foam. And, like, I guess there's rules so nobody gets hurt and
1: stuff like that. Um, I, I'm not, again, I'm not too familiar with that, but the rules are that the weapons have to meet a certain safety standard. Uh, whatever armor you're wearing as well has to meet certain safety standards. Um, the, it's Safety is a big, big important thing for those sorts of larps because you don't want anyone getting hurt. I mean have never
5: done VR before, but that, this is the, probably one of the few that I'm familiar with sort of outside of the ones that I actually played. And I've had some friends, at least in the, some of the SoCal games, really mention that there has been a lot of draw. Within, like, the DR community with respect to people's going, um, specifically, like, with some personal boundaries and things like that. And that's kind of been one of the things that I've sort of steered clear, and that might be specific maybe to some of the games that they've gone to or some of the people running those ones but from that community like i haven't heard spectacular things i mean the concept great yeah awesome but the people uh, a little bit what what do you what do you mean personal boundaries well like some people you know when it comes to not maybe topics is the right word, but you know the setting and and sort of like what's going on. Some people sort of you know it can have some trigger moments, and some people haven't been super great about respecting those kinds of boundaries. Yeah, because you
3: got um sorry um you know like in larp obviously you're acting on your character so like let's say your character is going to do a certain thing that maybe yeah the character would do but maybe the person that you know the human beings that you're doing this to might not be okay with that thing happening and so maybe some people might not respect the fact that like yeah you guys are larping and these are characters but there's still a human being that you're kind of like role-playing this to and they might not be OK with that. It sounds really similar
0: to things that happen in regular tabletop role playing games. Sometime, sometimes people react to the thing someone's saying in character as if they're really saying it or somebody doesn't know how to respect people's boundaries in character.
1: Uh, that's actually something that's become much more people become much more aware of it, especially in the last several years. Uh, the Mind's Eye Society is specifically trying to work to make sure that effectively consent and what people are OK with to play is made more clear so that people aren't put in situations that are become problematic outside of game. Like the, the goal is to have fun in these. We want to make sure that no one's feeling threatened or even made uncomfortable. Like if you're uncomfortable in character with your character, that's great. But if you're uncomfortable out of character, no, that's a problem that needs to be addressed. So, So,
4: so with that, sorry, is there a safe word?
1: So because this is a system that's being kind of created as you know as we go, and again, I can't speak for all LARP communities, only really myself. We're working on hand signals just to kind of say, hey, you know, basically give a test if someone can see if someone looks like they're very upset, someone who's watching can kind of get their attention and kinda give them a you know quick check to make sure everything's going all right. Because when you're in the moment and you're the person who's like Say, for instance, I'm playing a character who's screaming at Leslie. This may or may not have happened on one or two occasions. Someone can check because I could be rather loud. And if I'm, you know, this guy who's screaming at Leslie, they want to make sure if Leslie's actually okay with the situation. And sometimes people are. And they're like, yeah, no, it's totally fine. The roleplay's great. At the time, she might be like, "Um, you know, this person's kind of, I'm getting a little bit freaked out. Not necessarily the person, but just the whole situation. And in that situation, everything kind of pauses without the person calm down. And if it's something that, you know, we come across and someone's like, I am just not comfortable with, you know, what is happening it's you know, you are in the clear, no one will push you further. You are basically allowed to kind of step away in that fashion.
4: So it's if they feel threatened or, you know, I guess uncomfortable, but more like like there's some sort of like threat to their person, like not just not necessarily physically, but also like emotionally or verbally.
0: Well, it doesn't even need to be that dramatic, right? It could just be someone who's just completely stage frozen, right?
1: Yeah, someone's like just got like, cause anxiety is a thing. So if someone just suddenly is like frozen up and it's clear that this is not like an in character reaction. We'll take what we can to like help that person out and. You know, this is also why we have, you know, while we have our storytellers to handle like in-character stuff, that's why we have our coordinators to handle out-of-character stuff in that regard. And we always want to make sure that, you know, the players are the most important of this, not the characters. We want to make sure our players are taken care of.
3: So I have something else to add in um, because this is kind of attached to that, you know, the difference between character and player thing. And um, this was something I had an issue with. So a mutual friend of our, me and Leslie's, uh, Eric, he helped us get our LARP characters together. And he's going to be starting his own actual like uh, masquerade LARP starting next year in uh, Santa Ana. It's Requiem. Yeah, it's Requiem. Sorry. And so the thing I had always brought up and I asked them and maybe, you know, maybe you could help answer the question, Phil is, Basically, metagaming, obviously, that could be a really big issue. So, example, uh, my first LARP character that I made was a Nosferatu. One of the things that they could do is they could do this thing called obfuscate, where basically they can kind of go invisible, and they can, like, it's really good for spying. You go invisible, listen in on conversations. So I asked, so I was like, well, what's to stop somebody from going, like, they know that I'm right there because they physically can see me, and then just altering the conversation so I don't get as much information as I normally would have gotten.
1: I'm going to have a, you know, get a bit uh, complicated with this, so I'll try to make this as simple as possible just for ease of following along. Metagaming is a problem to some extent. To some degree, there's good metagaming and then there's bad metagaming. I'll cover the bad metagaming first. Uh, bad metagaming is just what you would say, like, oh, this person, I know this person is hidden and I've checked, and I, there's no way possible that I could ever know that they are there. However, by some indication, by, you know, of intuition, I know that I should stop talking about this horrendous thing that will get me in immense amounts of trouble. If anyone else heard me, which, you know, is a problem. And what we can do in that sort of situation is if you have a concern like that, you would bring it to the storyteller. At that point, we kind of ask, you know, what is your character's motivations for changing what they did? And you kind of go from there. Usually, though, what I've seen is people when they understand that someone is listening in because especially in vampire lore, someone is always listening in. You just continue the conversation and you kind of in some ways, it's almost kind of fun when you find out someone's listening in because and then it becomes a game of who's going to, you know, it becomes kind of a game of chicken. So who's going to blink first? Because <laughs> they may start listening on something they didn't want to listen on. It's like, I'm going to get this, you know, dirt about something. And suddenly the conversation like, so remember that guy who keeps sneaking up on everybody? Yeah. So how are we going to brutally like, you know, end that character's, you know, or ruin that character's day? They may realize that, you know, their actions are not going to continue well for the foreseeable future. But, you know, in that regard, it's mostly players policing themselves. If they find someone who always begins to gain the system or use uh, information that they shouldn't have or reacts on things they shouldn't know. And then storytellers can have a talk with the player if it's actually found out for actual cheating there is disciplinary actions that can be taken. If people are just being, um, you know, kind of jerks about how things are done, uh, even if there's no disciplinary action that could be taken, like it's a lot more unclear whether or not actual cheating has happened. Unfortunately. Uh, you'll find less and less people will to role play with you. So by doing that, they're kind of short term gain, yeah, they might be getting stuff, but long-term losses, no one wants to play with you in a socially based game, which it basically makes it not fun.
5: Start to figure out from people how to kind of go around that. If, if you know this person and is sort of always medicating to be like, I just happen to know because I'm super amazing that somebody's listening, you're like, okay, well then I'm going to go with a little bit less of an indirect way and I'm just going to start being like, So I'm just going to follow you, like physically follow you and then, you know, or have somebody follow you or whatever. But even then, when like as as an out of character thing, having people like walk up to you and you know that like they're not actually there, but they're listening. I always find it amusing. So I was like, you sneaky bastard you are going to hear something you shouldn't, or you know what? You're going to hear me talk about how I think that this is just dumb. And, you know, or, like random nonsense that's absolutely boring yeah. just because A I three-hour to com- step away.
1: <laughs> A three hour conversation on the merits of, you know, cross stitching. Congrats. I hope you brought coffee because you're going to be falling asleep during this conversation. <laughs>
5: yeah. um, now, there's been the moments of like stepping away and being like, how could they wear that? And you're like, this is the conversation that you chose to listen to, whereas my buddy over there is actually having the real conversation. Yeah. So, so with, with, I know I'm
4: kind of circling back a little with the, in, in trying to find that, that line between the game, like, because we're talking about metagaming. So, like, that line between the game and, like, reality, right? So... Whenever you are in situations like this in in with role playing you know you're sitting around a table right so people aren't physically interacting with each other you know for the most part cuz you're sitting around the table unless you're Brian who stands up and, and emotes everything he does but- <laughs> <laughs>
3: yep that's the that's our Brian
4: but so what are the the boundaries there like, what are the boundaries? So, like, if you have a character who's, you know, and let's just, you know, we're adults here trying to seduce another character to get information. What is what is the game boundaries for those situations? I assume there has to be some.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, To start with, no physical contact is allowed. Like, I can, again, Leslie, since you're the person who I've played with before, I can ask Leslie, like, are Effectively, are you okay with any sort of physical contact? And these rules can work out either before the scenes, before we start really getting into the scene, or even mid-scene, like, going, oh, do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder or something else? But absolutely no kind of, like, you know, advances that could be considered. If it wouldn't be considered to be appropriate in real life, crank it up 10 more degrees and be as prudish as you actually have to be. And basically, no touchings involved. Um, If the person suddenly feels like they're being, if you're coming across like an absolute creeper, again, we're going to stop that sort of situation. if you just are not capable of making that sort of um, uh, character or you really can't take that sort of action, you personally feel uncomfortable doing that sort of thing, but something your character would do, that's what you have skills and stats on your sheets for. And you could say like, listen, I don't really want to roleplay this out. but This is what my character is going to do. Uh, would you be okay with me taking a quick social check? And the, you know, you work back and forth and you kind of come to the resolution. You can even mediate the scene, how it goes, like going, and we'll go ahead and you know, fade to black you know seduction is either attempted or successful come back and have that affect uh, the characters interactions in the future um It,
0: it sounds like even though it's played out live and there's, there's immersion involved, it's still a game and you have game tools that you can drop back on to handle things like that.
1: Absolutely. Um, and those, game tools. yeah. So, and again, if anyone starts trying to do things that are considered to be inappropriate, storytellers and coordinators will step in.
4: Okay. Cause I mean, I was just, I was just trying to figure out where, you know, that, that boundary is because it's good to know that there's like, you know, no touching is like that thing, unless it's like, you know, I put my hand on your shoulder and I've asked you for, and stuff like that because I mean I I don't know I'm sure Leslie could probably relate as as a girl and as a girl gamer. You're like, uh, do, "Do not touch me!" Like, th- this is not okay. So, like situations like LARPing's always been interesting to me, but I've always been like, mm, "No," because that puts myself in a situation where, like, if somebody touches me, I might punch them in the face. So
5: you no, know, going in going into it, there's like always been like even from my first game it was like uh, exactly how like how close are we going to be with this? You know, and people have been, at least in my experience, super respectful to those things. And like Phil said, like they'll usually be like, okay, you know, so this is what we're going to do now if you're not okay with that or, you know, if you'd rather we just, you know, blow it out or however you want to, you know, figure it out. But there's never been a situation where I'm like, um, this guy's a creep and like needs to get away from me. I mean, maybe an in-character thing, but definitely not as <laughs> me the player.
4: Well, well, that's really good because I know that there's this stigma, uh, especially for vampire uh, that it's like the, the introduction to like the orgy. (laughs) And that's not just something like, you know, that's not my vision of it. I knew there was more to it than that, but just like outside opinions, like why would you LARP if you weren't, you know, trying to, you know, truly interact with people. So I I think that's critical.
0: One of the things Philip and I were talking about off call is, Every community has its dark sectors. Uh, Philip, you want to elaborate on that? That there are weird people. There are people who do more visceral games and more adult games.
1: Um, so the themes, especially for Carl are very dark, very adult in nature. That's also why every LARP community has a minimum age requirement. For the Mindset Society, it's 18 years of age. You're under 18. You have to wait until, until you're 18 until you can play. Just Period dot no question you know no exceptions made uh, I'm not certain what it is for other larp communities like uh, dystopia rising or some of the Nordic or more immersion larps but usually it, basically if you're once you're considered to be effectively a legal adult then we'll let you play because again never uh, the themes the interactions we want to make sure that we're you know that everyone is in a safe environment excuse me um, as regards to every dark sector, unfortunately, because we have, um, we, we want to keep our bar for entry, you know, very easy. We want people to come in, try out the experience, make sure that they can, you know, test what it is without me, you know, making you fill out a twenty-five to fifty questionnaire, you know, on you know everything about you or have to run a background check because no one's going to come at that point. So unfortunately, and sometimes it's not even learned until after this happened that people don't know how to draw those lines. They don't know how to draw those boundaries. It's and it is an unfortunate part of uh, any interaction. Like uh, the equivalent for tabletoping would be the person who can't stand to lose, so throws all the miniatures, yours included, off the table or the, you know, people who flip tables for card games. And these are people who, for whatever reason, are not appropriate to continue with the group as a whole. If that happens, we do have steps that we take. Um and meet uh, we coordinators will step in, they'll, you know, speak with all parties involved if an act God forbid, actual s- something does happen, um, and they're considered to be a, th- a risk to the community. They're basically not going to be allowed to come back.
5: One of the things, that I appreciated with like things with uh, approvals, like the approvals for, especially for like Mind's Eyes. When you have something, you're kind of a little bit worried about how somebody might make the game or something. That's you know they have you sort of explain why do you want this thing and how would you use this thing so that you don't just go there and kind of you know poop all over somebody's game and ruin it with something but even like you know then you have a better understanding to sort of make it a little bit more fun when you have this thing that's sort of more of a rarity and you're like oh you have this thing and this is kind of cool and like normally you might not see this because people can be kind of shitty but like you made it clear you don't have any like ill intention and so now we get to you know use this like you know, different whether it's abilities or including special types of players or weapons or whatever. I always thought that was kind of a, a neat way to sort of screen that to keep some of that out.
1: Yeah, no. Um, it, what Leslie is mentioning is that again, uh, we have an, what's considered an approval systems for anything rare or esoteric or stuff that necessarily wouldn't be easily accessible or should have some sort of rarity to it. Um, a great example would be D anD. D Not every Paladin gets to have a Holy Avenger. So in our situation, if you want to go for a Holy Avenger, you would have to make at least an approval, you know, talk with the Storyteller staff with however high we consider that to be appropriate and say why it's not just why your character wants this item because you're a Paladin, you want a Holy Avenger. but also, what is your character going to do with this item? What it, you know? Do you understand the you know very important nature behind this thing? And in a lot of situations, it's more of a vetting to make sure the players understand what they're asking for and what will be the responsibilities for that item in question. So it's it's our it's our IC you know our in character. Um, stopgap to make sure people kind of don't go too crazy and also if they're simply um if for instance brian was a storyteller and he's handed out the last six paladins a holy avenger and paladin number seven runs around brian could say you know I have way too many Holy Avengers in this area, so we're going to need to pull the, I need to hold off. And sometimes the answer is no, I'm not going to allow any Holy Avengers at all, or sometimes, you know, yes, but not right now, or, you know, check, please check back later. So, and again, it comes down to uh, the storytellers determining what's best for the game as a whole. And uh, this kind of goes into what I was mentioning earlier about a sort of positive metagaming, where this usually comes from storytellers, but it can come from players as well, where, um, so for instance, um, my character is known to never take, you know, never talk to X type of vampire. Like he will refuse to talk with them. He hates them all. But then we have a new player who wants to play that set of vampire. It'd be absolutely awful of me for my character to simply make this person's life hell right out the gate. So in that sort of situation, I take what's considered to be a kind of a positive metagaming where I try to have a conversation with that player at first, maybe work out background ties for why our characters have some sort of interaction. And in some case, I make sure that the, even though my character would hate their character, I'll take the different steps to make sure that they have a good experience. Doesn't mean I'm going to be nice to them in character, but I make sure that they still can engage with others and engage in the game as, as a whole.
3: So speaking of um, characters, especially like new people and, and, you know, everyone coming in and bringing, you know, their, their, bringing their themselves in and creating a character. Um, what about the costumes? I mean, that's always a really cool part of like making a character. Like when I made my Nosferatu, I spent like weeks like shopping around and clothing stores trying to find like the perfect jacket and the perfect boots and everything. So like, yeah, what about costumes and dressing up and the actual like creation of a physical character?
1: You actually, this is one of my favorite parts about LARP and actually what's kind of got me really involved with it. Um, some of you may be familiar with the meme that's gone around at uh, Facebook a few times, which is LARP requires costuming. Thank you, Tyson. <laughs> um, the question becomes, <laughs> the question becomes at that point, what is costuming? And for some cases, you have that. You spend weeks fleshing out, uh, looking for individual pieces. You know, I had two characters last, uh, Uh, the last games that I played in. One character uh, I walked in the game with almost $1,000 worth of stuff on me that I'd uh, collected and purchased over the years as the game had gone on. Um, Which is also make sure I buy stuff that I can reuse for characters in the future because otherwise I'm insane. But uh, the costuming is helps one, it helps separate a person from the character themselves. And I'm of the opinion that costuming is not necessarily what you're wearing. It's how your character acts. It's how your character looks. It's how they hold themselves. So uh, if you're playing more of a knightly character, someone with a high honor who's very refined, you won't stand just casually. You'll stand much more rigid. Your back will be straight. You'll always have your heels together. Your hands may be behind your back or in front of you. You won't just cross.
5: a ponytail
1: yeah your, your hair's in a ponytail hairstyle is actually a great way or a wigs is another thing where bless you could tell you i wore a giant black long-haired wig that went down to the middle of my back for uh one of, for my uh, invictus character last chronicle another character i had i wore this looked like a hamster dot on top of my head from this shaggy brown wig i was wearing uh but it comes down to really even if you're just wearing a t-shirt and jeans you can make a character out of that now that is Some people will say that you'd require a great deal more investment for doing certain character types. I know some people who, if they're playing a certain source of of characters, will actually do full latex prosthetic makeup uh, and come into a game completely transformed. But... While that certainly can happen, I like to make sure people are aware that's not required. Uh, Some places like uh, Dystopia Rising or other like more immersive LARPs do require uh, effectively you to be costumed to specific examples for what you're playing. But each LARP community also has, uh, the community itself will help you if you if you're kind of wondering how to go about making a costume for a certain character. There are people there and people at the game will be glad to give you tips. Maybe where you could go to shop for clothes that you wouldn't have thought of beforehand. Or sometimes um, a lot of our conventions will have a large costume exchange where people can go dump their unused costume pieces just for people to kind of sort through and see what they could use. It's kind of almost like a potluck for costuming.
5: From Some of these is like when you go into something like vampire and, and even werewolf and things is your interacting with people who are generally part of like your own group or your own faction or whatever the case might be. And so they might have some sort of advice for more of a simpler thing, or even like if there's a theme like with, with, you know, the type of character you're playing like these characters generally wear blah somebody might have a, like oh like you said like I had this from last game you use it or you know whatever or like the very first game that I met Phil you know was it Lisa brought a bunch of, of masks for us to use you know because she wanted like a theme <laughs> and you know so like the characters have some sort of similarity that ties you in together and so it, it lets you have even just like this little thing whether it's your, a shirt or a pin or a necklace or your wig or or a hat or whatever it is it can be something super small that just like gives you that thing that ties you to the other people that you're interacting with
4: so so on this line of questioning about the costume i assume that there are standards right you can't just like show up with like tape over your nipples or something like that
1: um, so one of our conventions we had a group of vampires who showed up with sand shirts so you still have to meet like you know public decency standards like you can't show up naked but you could um one of my characters last chronicle uh who was a werewolf who was born as a wolf wouldn't wear um shirts if he didn't have to because it always got in his way if he had to change forms um i would phil would have worn uh gone barefoot but phil thinks walking on carpet barefoot is disgusting so phil found shoes that worked for the character costuming can even be what accent use uh for a character as well so, so not,
4: not just physical attributes, but, but you know,
1: yeah. What? Like my two most, uh, to, to give two examples, my two most extreme, uh, co- costumes, last Chronicle, and I'll give you like then my simplest one. Uh, so my character Richter, my, uh, Invictus Knight was probably my most, ex- uh, extensive costume because that was wig mannerisms, voice accent, um, what he wore, what he wouldn't wear. Um, What I like to do is I I costume based on a silhouette. So, like, for instance, for video games, um, you recognize certain silhouettes of certain classes. If you're playing on, like, an MMO, their armor may change, but you recognize them as, like, their base, kind of what they look like in general, like, the general shape. And that's what I would try to go for. Even if I would change what he was wearing for, like, specifically a shirt or something else... He had certain key aspects of his costumes that were always present. He always wore a beret because that went back to his time serving in the Swiss Guard back in the uh, you know 1700s. He um, wore what was effectively a uh, waist uh, a waist cloak around his uh over his right leg to kind of symbolize a tabard to show his knightly uh, service. Um, he would have a pin for his uh house and for his covenant and also uh he would carry around iconography for his knightly order as well so i had a bronze pendant with a griffin on it and a ring as well that had the same griffin uh swift talon my werewolf um was great because i started him off as like literal like brand new baby werewolf and grew into a full elder by the end of chronicle started off wearing basically heavy jackets and coats trying to look like hide like a puppy would um then he you know as he got older uh, he kind of shed the cl- uh, coats, wore more, you know, cu- clothing he could fit and move in. I also considered who he was interacting with in training, so we had someone, we had a character who was from Japan, who so he started wearing more of some uh, items that kind of showed their training. So I found a nice pair of tabby boots that would work work for that. Uh, then I started incorporating armor into the character, so I found a nice uh, shoulder piece that I could wear for that. And by the end of it, he was um, Phil would take about twenty to thirty minutes making scar makeup for before every game. Uh, wasn't wearing a shirt, had a giant fur pauldron over one shoulder, a massive leather belt wrapped around my waist with cargo pants and a, ta- a leather tabby boots with blackened gauntlets that he would go show up with.
0: Holy crap! That sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. Um, then for uh, my simplest character was uh, just an ex-military guy who I, would sh- I bought a set of fatigues for. So I showed up with cargo pants and a tr- army jacket, and that was my costume. Had a T-shirt under it, uh, but things, well, yeah. But all the but the important part was making sure each character was recognizable, not just from each other, but from me as well. And there's several degrees that you can go with this.
5: My costume was much simpler. I just played a rich snob, so she just had to look <laughs> like she just spent a lot of money and didn't like other people.
2: <laughs> well, I that's an easy channel right there.
5: All right, yeah, so require-
2: oh, go ahead, Leslie.
5: Oh, no, I was just saying that this didn't require a lot. Like, I'm going to wear a dress and a lot of shiny, pretty jewelry. And how dare you think I'm going to show up with pants?
0: (laughs) All right, we're going to skip our normal end segment of um, describing a movie badly to talk a little bit more about LARP. Anthony,
3: you had a question? Yeah, so, like I was saying, we do got to, like, make it quick. But there was one last thing that we wanted to ask super quick. Philip and Leslie, what are your, like, your best LARP stories? Uh... Let's start with Leslie. Best LARP story.
5: Well, we had this situation where a group of, like, friends, like, it was an in-character thing. um, We were trying to, like, go and investigate this situation. And the guy was like, well, I'll help you, but I need dirt first. And we were like, dirt? Like, you want, like, dirt? Like, real dirt? Like, dirt, dirt? Yeah, dirt. So it turned into this, like, 30-minute conversation of us literally negotiating for dirt. Like, he didn't realize, or maybe he did realize, we were like, yeah, we're going to bring you literally a truckload of dirt. And we're just going to like dump it outside of your place and you're going to have dirt and then you're going to help us for dirt because you said you want dirt. And we have lots of dirt because we have a cemetery and it was just like this conversation. Every other word was dirt, 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 dirt. And I was like, yep, it was a whole dirt conversation.
0: I'm sorry. I'm having trouble following. You said it was about dirt. (laughs) So
5: much dirt. All the dirt, Brian.
2: We have all the dirts. Oh, my gosh. That's funny.
3: That's like the like, I'll buy that thing for five doll hairs kind of thing. (laughs)
2: <laughs> any of that for five doll hairs so. <laughs> how
1: about you fill up yeah what uh, about you fill up you best larp ones? story Oh, wow. Uh, So thank God that Leslie went first. Let me kind of sort through my brain for, you know, what sort of things I would want to talk about for, like, what would be a good concise story that wouldn't ramble on for 20 minutes. Uh, So I think I'll describe one of the last moments I had with my vampire character, um, who's a type of vampire who, to be rude or accept rudeness, was an act of will on his part. So he couldn't, his bloodline was that he was the typical courtly Arthurian knight so he could not stand anything being rude around him whatsoever there was a meeting with his covenant right at the very end and people were talking about this one thing and everyone agreed that it was just kind of you know a silly thing that we shouldn't really consider but he kept trying to make a point and the character was had a deep resonating voice but he wouldn't interrupt people because again rude and people kept talking back and forth and he kept trying to make a point point. and finally i looked at the st i'm like i'm spending a willpower point he's like okay and so then i was wearing a uh, some gauntlets on my hands, so I took my gauntlets and started slamming them on the table to get everyone's attention. As I can do basically a gavel, everyone paused to stop and stare at me. And another person went, "Going, I believe the night commander would like to speak." <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> Oh. I kind of what, this is our front to our beliefs. This is all I wish to say. Thank you. The conversation was done at that point. No one else had any comments to make.
4: That, that's, that's pretty awesome. Like, just take off your gauntlets and just be like, smack!
1: No, no, no I, didn't I, I didn't take them off. I just pounded my hand. I didn't take them off. I just pounded my hand on the back of, the, by the back of my hand on the table. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That
2: Thanks. is beautiful.
0: Was there an eerie silence the second you did it?
1: Uh, there was an eerie silence uh, and that moment of going like, Oh, uh, we've been in- interrupting the person who might literally, uh, you know, uh, go insanely angry if we continue to interrupt him.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, this is going to get real. He's probably going to murder us.
1: Yeah.
4: Um, Be like, you guys are not observing your courtesies. <laughs>
1: Basically, but he would never tell them that because that'd be rude.
0: So we're we're about to wrap up, but I got something I want to share real quick. I was doing a little LARP research while we were talking, and Phil's right. There's a crap ton of different LARPs. My originally introduction to knowing about LARP was seeing the documentary Darkon, which is about an East Coast, like, massive-scale fantasy LARP where they do wars and stuff. Um, but Michael, this may interest you. Yes. There is a Western LARP. What? There's many of them. There, um, there's one in particular called The Exiles, and it's in Erica's hometown.
4: What? What?
0: Yeah, it's called The Exiles. It's a Western LARP, and it meets in Dayton. Really? I need to get Did to not know this. Yeah, I was looking at Ohio LARPs, and there's a World of Darkness LARP in Cleveland. There's a um, something called Nero. I, I, It doesn't give any details other than it's called Nero, and I'm, I'm sure maybe Rome. I don't know. Mm. And then there's a Fantasy Alliance in St. Clairsville. Oh they're, my
4: they're, I think, St. Clairsville, like in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, that might be the one that my friend Travis goes to because he goes like, it's like every weekend or every other weekend or something like that. I don't know. But I'm getting it's, this it's, information. it's definitely a
1: fantasy.
0: It's definitely a fantasy?
4: Yeah, it's definitely a fantasy because he's like a ranger and he's got like, like, so uh, my husband, Rusty, uh, he... Does leather working for fun because that's what he does. And um, and so he made him a pouch for his costume to carry all his things in it. So it, it's fantasy. He had to dye it green because he's a ranger.
2: Oh, well, that's cool.
4: Yeah, you should see his leather work. He's so critical of himself, but I mean, like I guess all artists are, but he he does really, really good work and he just does it for fun. He doesn't sell it or you know, anything like that. It's just like, oh. Yeah, sure. I think he's making him. Um. Uh. Because my brain stopped working. Shin guards, greaves. Are they greaves? Is that what they're called?
1: Greaves. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Yes,
4: greaves. So he's making him some uh, greaves right now, like leather working them to go over his um, boots.
1: That sounds awesome.
0: So it's just like role playing games. If there's a genre you want to play live, it exists in LARP. Am I incorrect, Phil?
1: You are correct, actually. If you. It- you, can, I, I am hard-pressed to think of a single uh, situation where there is not going to be a, a genre to suit your needs. Uh, even the Mind's Eye Society is coming up with their own uh, this basically science fiction venue, the Slip Chronicle. And I know Dystopia Rising, I, these are the only two large. I'm really familiar with on some sort of level because my friends play it. I know are coming up with a cyberpunk setting as well, but I already know that there are uh, Star Trek based LARPs, there are. I think i just oh, made it these days.
3: No, you got so me with Dystopia fun. Rising. I love zombie apocalypse kind of stuff. So that. Oh, that, that oh that me too. Me uh, yeah, that one sounds a lot of fun.
1: Too. Yeah, but uh, there's basically if there is a genre out there, there is a LARP for it. So LARPs
0: are the, very. The Firefly one. There, I'm sure there is a Firefly one, Michael. I guarantee there is. We're going to go find it, Brian. (laughs) I know LARPs are very regional. So sometimes it's hard to find a specific kind of LARP because there's these communities all over the country.
2: All I'm hearing from Brian is we have to start it.
4: There's like a really big one in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's Darkon. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, that's the one that they made
0: the movie about that kind of. Brought LARP into the public eye because there's so much media on it. Oh, well, I there
4: have I that. have a lot of friends that go to that. Like the it's like a big week event or something like that. And like I have a lot of friends because we have uh, a huge Renaissance festival here in Ohio. Like we have a town like that has been built that is there year round. Um, like a legit Renaissance town. And so we have a huge, Damn. um, huge Renaissance you know players here. Huge gaming here too so a lot of people take that week off, like that's their vacation and they go to Pennsylvania and
5: stay there all week so hey guys I, just do wanted, to, I just wanted to tell you Phil I I was very proud of this and I think it, uh, um something that we can both you know relate to I was happy for the larp that me and Anthony and me doing with Eric I me and Eric convinced him to be a Dava, and you know considering me and I met playing Davis I was like uh-huh.
1: awesome that should be fantastic
0: I i i am my producer side of me is saying we really really need to wrap up but i do have to ask the question what's a deva
1: so deva is one of the in in the requiem setting is one of the five vampire clans uh the five clans are the Ventru, the deva uh the nosferatu the gangrel and the maquette uh the deva are each one has their own strengths and their own weaknesses the deva are known for being creatures of exceptional passions and uh uh, vibrant uh, emotions. Unfortunately, vampires don't actually have real emotions. They have the shadows of emotions. So, the more a deva engages and has these grand experiences, it's them trying to reach out to f- have that true sensation of feeling for a moment. And the more they try, the as they older they get, they become kind of more jaded and more uh cynical and more like depressed because they can't feel that rush of actual emotion anymore, but they're also very much tied to their vices. So they have to indulge certain things, certain characteristics about themselves just because that's what they're, uh, the beast, which is like the heart of every vampire desires.
0: Well, all that being said, I, we're going to have to bring you back to talk about vampire specifically, because I know there's going to be a lot of questions because I, I, I'm I already just my head is filled with tons of questions about vampire because m- all my vampire knowledge is from the 90s. And the game, I think, is very different from back then. But let's not let's not deep dig into it. I'm just going to um, wrap all up my our knowledge is from the
4: video game.
0: Yeah. Then the video game knowledge is very different from what you're talking about. I think the game has evolved a lot over the years. So we will do a vampire episode. We will have Phil back. Is that cool with you, Phil?
1: That is absolutely cool with me. I'd love to come back.
0: Oh, that'd be fantastic, Michael. Clone special, Mikey. Wrap up mode activate. Wrap up mode activate. Must have ran out of widget. Uh,
1: I- maybe. I think
0: you ran <laughs> he ran out of coffee. He ran out of of widget. He's been
4: malfunctioning all episode. We're we're gonna need to shoot him and get a new one.
0: We're gonna shoot him.
4: Yeah, that's how you put clones down. Don't you watch the movies?
0: Oh my god. I I didn't even think about this before we got into this cloning issue. All right, so Michael is out of commission. So, um we had a fantastic talk about larping today. We learned so much. We jumped a little bit in more than we expected Son with of all of it us
2: was all muted. And I was like <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, shoot me. Shoot me. Call Harrison Ford. Shoot me." <laughs> I was like, I'm down for this. Do it. All right. Let's do this again. Clone Michael, wrap up mode, activate. Oh, well, you know, today we were talking we talked with Philip Trad about the wonderful world, of LARP. And we also talked with uh, Leslie the Fierce about her experiences with LARP and how they handle it. And, you know, honestly, I didn't say much this episode. And, you know, it's mainly me trying to get acclimated to having to take over this guy's life. But. I really, I just enjoyed listening to how deep and how knowledgeable both were, and I really just, I really enjoyed listening. And the the topic was very good. I agree with Brian. We're going to have to have uh, you you come back, Philip. And. And explain more on and specifically vampires, because this was actually a topic I was really engrossed in. Not, not as just like a host trying to throw questions, but as somebody who was just really into the conversation and today's episode I really enjoyed. I think that this was actually really fun. This has been Nerd Podcast Radio, and as always, stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Leslie, huh? Say goodbye, Leslie Bryant, cut her off. Where go?